Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. Hey, Keith. How are you? Still recovering from Vegas, Keith. <laughs> Does it feel like you were just there? It feels like I was just there, even though it was uh, five days ago at this yeah. point. We're speaking of the Billboard Music Awards, which were in Las Vegas last Indeed. week. You both went, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that later. We'll sprinkle a few things in. We'll sprinkle in some Vegasy nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we'll be chatting about big news about Pink, Taylor Swift, Shawn Mendes, AJR, and Madonna. Plus, we have an interview with Ashley Tisdale. Yeah! The singer and actress is back with her first album in almost a decade, Symptoms. She tells us about how getting back into the studio and making the ad- album was totally organic, and how she really wanted to speak her truth on the personal project. So, stick around for that a little bit later. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss a single flippin' episode. Hmm. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okie dokie. First, let us discuss some chart news. On the Billboard 200 chart, Pink captures her third overall and consecutive number one album as Hurts To Be Human debuts atop the list. The set earned 115,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending May 2nd, according to Nielsen Music. Of that sum, 95,000 were in album sales. Hertz follows Pink's previous number ones, Beautiful Trauma, back in 2017, and The Truth About Love, back in 2012. Now, nearly two decades into her Billboard 200 history, Pink continues her hottest streak. Uh, The new set is also her eighth total and consecutive top 10, dating back to her first, Misunderstood, uh, in 2002. Actually, 2001, I believe. 2002? 2001. I think it's 2001. Um, Her only album to miss the top 10 was her first album, Can't Take Me Home, which peaked at number 26 in uh, 2000. Uh, Pink will actually celebrate her 20th anniversary on Billboard's charts next February, believe it or not. Uh, She made her Billboard chart debut on February 5th, 2000, when There You Go debuted on the Dance Club Songs and Rhythmic Songs charts. And for the kids, she had literal pink hair back then. Uh, When did Misunderstood come out, Katie? 2001. Okay, I was right. Yes. Um, Elsewhere in the new top 10 on the Billboard 200. I need to go back to pink for a second. Okay, sorry. Back to pink. Just like it's, I just want to take a moment to, to like marvel at the fact that 20 years into her career is when she's like, you know, hitting her peak. (laughs) Well, I feel. It's just crazy. I I think what's actually happened is that she was having more, she, she was doing great for the first 10 years of her career. And she had a lot more sort of like, well, I mean, she's had like, I mean, I think, okay, the only difference really is that her albums are hitting number one and she's continuing to be like an arena filling superstar. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, she's not having the same sort of pop single success. Sure. So, but it was only like maybe like five or six years ago where she was having huge pop singles still. Mm-hmm. 
like, you know, uh, Just Give Me a Reason and, you know, all those tracks were at that era. Yeah. So it, it is interesting how, you know, she might even think she's like, yeah, I flew under the radar, allegedly. I'm like, no, you were. Ha- you've- and then she flew over it in and her then, acrobatic Grammy performance. And then upside down through it. And then <laughs> through it and then back over. Anyway, I just love it. We need to just take a moment to appreciate Pink all the time every day. I generally do. I generally do, yeah. too. Okay, well. Now I can move on. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere in the new top 10 on the Billboard 200, the brother trio AJR score their first top 10 and top 40 album as Neo Theater debuts at number 8. The sibling band and friends of the podcast also log its best weeks ever, best weeks ever, best week ever hmm. in total units and album sales as the set begins with 32,000 units earned, of which 22,000 were in album sales. The group previously peaked at number 61 in 2017 with its last album, The Click. Wow. Yeah, so yay, JR. That also had the slow building single that was... Sober Up. Yeah. And then the other one, Burn the House Down, Burn the Something Down. Yeah, but that's that single with Rivers Cuomo... That was the big it hit. It came out in the spring and then didn't become a hit until almost a year later. Oh, yeah, because the album came out in like 2017 yeah. and then the track like had a it slow a burn. hit in 2018. Fall, yeah, and yeah. that kept the album going exactly. and it kind of gave them this whole new life at Alternative Rock Radio, yes. which was unusual for them because they weren't really an alternative act before that. Yep. And now they sort of are. We're, we're all about strange trajectories on the pop shop today. Weird genres. <laughs> um, well, over on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart, Taylor Swift's Me, featuring Brendan Urie, sets the record for the largest jump ever on the list as the song zooms from number 100 to number two in its second week on the list. Lil Nas X's Old Town Road, featuring Billy Ray Cyrus, holds firm at number one for a fifth week. Now, Me is the 23rd top 10 hit for Swift and the first for Brendan Urie. Swift is now tied with Whitney Houston for the fifth most top 10s among all women in the 60-year-old history of the Hot 100 chart. Katie is raising her hand. Are we not counting Panic at the Disco songs because Brendan Urie is listed as Brendan Urie or have Panic at the Disco not had a top 10? Panic has been the top 10. I thought so. I'm counting this as just Urie by himself. Beautiful. That's even what I though, need to know. Even though Panic is a weird Brendan Urie project. Right. Uh, yeah, you know. Okay. That's that's what I wanted to to. High Hopes was just in the top 10 recently. That's what I thought. Um, so... She, Taylor Swift is now tied with Whitney Houston for the fifth most top 10s among all women in the history of the Hot 100. Ahead of them, Janet Jackson with 27, Mariah Carey with 28, Rihanna with 31, and Madonna, who holds the record among all artists, with 38. More on Madonna in just a little bit. <laughs> now, Me sold 193,000 downloads in its first week, which is the biggest sales week for any song since Swift's own Look What You Made Me Do started with 353,000 downloads back in 2017. Me also collected 50.7 million streams in the tracking week and also vaults 27 to 13 on the all-format radio songs chart. Now, you're probably wondering, wait, Old Town Road is still number one, but those numbers for Taylor Swift sound really big. All right, so for comparison, Old Town Road sold 78,000 downloads. So obviously Taylor clearly beat Old Town Road there. She sold 193,000. 
But Old Town Road had 114.4 million streams, which is, well, more than double what me had. Yeah. And Old Town Road jumped 12 to 6 on the radio songs chart, while me went 27 to 13. It's just very hard to compete with the pop culture phenomenon that is Old Town Road. It had a few weeks lead in as far as momentum goes. Yeah. It's just kind of untouchable. Yeah. So, you know, but still a huge week for Taylor. Indeed. Um, Over on the pop songs airplay chart, Swift's Me makes a major move, rising 20 to 10 in its second week on the list. That ups her total of top 10s to 17, tying Katy Perry and Mariah Carey for the fifth most top 10s among all acts. Not just women, all acts. Ahead of them, Justin Timberlake with 18, Pink with 19, Maroon 5 with 20, and Rihanna with 30. And the pop songs chart actually began in October of 1992, in case you're wondering why we don't see some other obvious suspects like Madonna or Janet. For instance. For instance. So Swift, of course, released Me on April 29th, the same day as the song's video. And then she had the global debut TV performance of the song on the Billboard Music Awards on Wednesday of last week, May 1st, where she and Brendan Urie opened the show. What did we think of this performance, Keith? We were actually there. Yeah, we were there. We but were there. We, were, we were there there. Neither of us was inside. We were watching it from a monitor. So we saw it a lot like you did. I mean, we, we were within the venue, but we were just backstage. Indeed. Yeah, so we watched it on a monitor just like you did at home. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was great. Me it was too. like big and epic and fun and bright and colorful. And they flew over the audience. And it's just it was just joyful and fun and happy, just like the video is. Yes. It's, it's what you want. Yes. I mean... In addition to that, there was a lot of other stuff that happened on the Billboard Music Awards. Um, you know, perhaps an like encounter what, an encounter with Madonna. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we may talk about that in just a little bit. <laughs> I feel like every episode of this show, we should just be like, we'll probably get back to Madonna in a second. But this one, we really will get back to hey, Madonna. Hey, if, <laughs> if we're in a cycle, if we're in like a Madonna-era cycle where she's actually in promotion. I know. You it's know, like me and Justin Timberlake last year. If there's, so. if there's a reason to talk about her, mm-hmm. then we will. Yes. Well, okay, back on the pop songs chart, the highest debut comes from Shawn Mendes, whose new track, If I Can't Have You, bows at number 25. Now, the song, which is not on his current album, which is a self-titled effort, um, was a surprise release on May 3rd um, and is Shawn's eighth hit on the pop songs tally. Uh, So what do you think of the song, Katie? Apparently, it's inspired by the 1975, according to Mendes himself, um, he tweeted something on Twitter where a fan was asking him a question about where the inspiration came from, and he said it was the 1975 because he was listening a lot to them when he wrote the song. It's funny, and I don't, I don't think that it sounds like a ripoff of the 1975 at all. Like, no. other than the fact that it's a dancey, dancey kind of rock rocky song, song. yeah, um, which that's their you know genre. But um, I think it's awesome. I think it's upbeat. I think it's catchy. Um, the video is super fun. Um, that came along with it the same day. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he performed it for the first time ever on SNL on Saturday. Uh, and so we got an immediate uh, world debut performance of the song, too. And it's probably going to be his next hit. And we yeah. actually we talked about um, uh, we talked about the fact that, you know, Sean is not a stranger to a standalone single. Yeah. Right. Um, because the last time he he did that was two years ago. He with... did it. There's nothing holding me back. 
And that never went on an album. I double checked. It was not on his self-titled album from last I, year. I think he stripped it onto the album as oh, like, like a bonus his, track. The, the previous album? Uh, yeah, the um, the Illuminate album. Okay, yeah, because think, it yeah. definitely was not on um, his 2018. No, album. no, I think he this the track just came out as like a this random thing, and then I think they just stripped it on as a bonus track mm. on the deluxe like the the digital versions. But it wasn't like the start of a new era. It was just like, hey, I've got this great song. Why yeah. not just put it out? And he, we also looked up, he worked with a lot of his frequent collaborators Collaborators on this, including uh, Teddy Geiger was listed as a producer. And I believe it was Scott Harris was the co-writer. Maybe. Yeah, I think that was the name. Yeah, who's, I guess, worked with him a lot on a lot of different yes, songs. Yes, all, all those songs you know. <laughs> so do we think this means that we might be getting a new Shawn Mendes well, that's, album? That's the thing we don't know, because it might just be another There's Nothing Holding Me Back situation right. and it'll just kind of be the you know the end of this era and and a new album won't be coming for a bit so it follows that pattern where there's nothing holding me back was like sort of an up-tempo kind of jammy track it was like almost like a dancey track that was like a full year after the release of illuminate right and then his new album came out the self-titled album came out and it started off with in my blood which is a contemplative almost ballady moment and then lost in japan which originally was sort of a mid-tempo I love that song. But it started, but then it got more, it was like an up-tempo, it was up-tempo-y, but not a big dance hit. Right. And then this one, you feel like it's like a summery, like, you know, jammy, like very catchy. It's going to be great on his current tour. He's currently on tour. It's going to be perfect in an arena. And I'm sure, you know, as we've talked to many artists on this podcast, you know, you play the same songs over and over again, and you're like so pumped to like introduce new music into your set. He's probably jazzed that like he all of a sudden gets to play this new, right. you know, showstopper song. Right. So, um, well, in other poptacular news, and talking, speaking of tours, big tours, Madonna announced uh, her Madonna small, her intimate <laughs> Madame X theater tour on May sixth. That's right. Madonna is stepping away from an arena or a stadium, and she's going on a tiny little theater tour. You're one of the lucky few that get in that room. That's going to be a pretty sweet sight. So the trek will kick off on September 12th at New York's 2100 capacity Bam Howard Gilman Opera House. I feel like that's not even like the staff of Billboard that would be able to go to this <laughs> go to this concert. That's, that's, like, that's like the normal uh, like pr- credentialed press at a typical <laughs> arena show. <laughs> It's like a high school class. Um, it will also visit multiple nights at the Chicago Theater in October and the Wiltern here in Los Angeles. Other cities and venues she'll play. Las Vegas, the Coliseum, that's in Caesars Palace, right? Yeah. Boston's, is that Bosch? Bach. I think, is it Bach or Bosch? I think uh, it's Bosch. Sorry, Boston people. Center, Center Wayne, Wayne Theater. Philadelphia's The Met and Miami's Fillmore Miami Beach at the Jackie Gleason Theater. In 2020, she announced that she'll visit Lisbon, London, and Paris. In addition to all those dates, and each of these, each of these cities, she's almost like having like a mini residency where she's playing mm-hmm. like five or seven nights or something. Exactly. Um, Didn't she kind of tease uh, Keith the theater aspect of this tour when you talk to her backstage <laughs> at the Billboard Music Awards? I'm getting away from the microphone because my levels are probably going way up. It's like we set this up. <laughs> um, why? Yes, yes, she did. In fact. <laughs> Um, by the way, I interviewed Madonna at the Billboard Music Awards. I don't know. Ah. If you haven't seen the video yet, feel free to go to Billboard's YouTube. I think it's just YouTube.com slash Billboard. Yeah. Um, and the video is there. It's not that hard to find. Uh, just look for Madonna. You can see her face. Hmm. Um, we talked to her uh, for nearly 10 minutes, and the edited version of the video that you see is about seven and a half. Luxurious. It's a luxurious interview. Yeah, and don't worry. The, the the stuff that we cut out was actually just sort of like fun side chatter that was not specifically music related. It was 
her talking about how she she can bake a great cake. It's for Keith's own scrapbook. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> it's just my personal moments. Uh, I mean, she brought me a, an eye patch. Um, I'll I'll post something to social media if you follow me on social media, and you'll you'll see what I'm talking about soon enough. Um, but it was a great interview. Um, she talked all about the making of the album and reuniting with the producer Mirwes, who she worked with on her American Life album and the music album. He produced a lot of the tracks on the new album, uh, including uh, Medagine, which is the first sort of taste of the new album. Yes. Um, just last Friday, she released a new single, not single, sorry, uh, another song from the album called I Rise. Um, she has another track coming up soon called Crave featuring Sway Lee. So she is just... They talked a little bit about that as we talk, well. We talked a little bit about that track as well. But it was great. It was like a really great moment and she was in good spirits. And I I thought we had a great conversation. I and, think you did too. Yeah. And um, and wow. so did uh, Shep Pettibone. Oh yeah, Shep Pettibone, <laughs> who, who I've... Uh, he... Um, he Shep uh, co-wrote and uh, co-produced many of Madonna's familiar songs, including Vogue, um, most of the Erotica album, This Used to Be My Playground, Justify My Love. Uh, nope, not Justify My Love. Rescue Me. Justify was Lenny Kravitz. Apologize there, Lenny. Well, so speaking of Rescue Me. Rescue Me. And the reason why Shep uh, um, talked about this on his Facebook uh, was because at the end of the interview um, where we talked about the tour a little bit, I asked her if there's a tour coming, and she said, we're in production meetings, so yes, there's probably a tour coming. And I asked if I could make a request, and uh, she was like, for a song. And I suggested that, well, she's had 38 top 10 Hot 100 hits, uh, which I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in the podcast, but she's not performed three of those songs live yet. I'll remember Rescue Me and this used to be my playground. And she kind of demurred on two of them, playground, and I'll remember because they're kind of slow ballad songs. Mellow. And you don't really, she doesn't really do a lot of ballads in concert. But I said, well, Rescue Me is pretty punchy, which it is. It's a dance track. And she said, you know what? It is dope. She said, Rescue Me is pretty dope. And she said that she'll consider the track. Oh. So um, Shep, who co-wrote and co-produced the track with her, it's found, it was one of the two new songs that were on her greatest hits album, The Immaculate Collection, back in 1990. It, it and Justify My Love were the two new songs on that album. He posted on Facebook saying, well, do you remember Rescue Me? Evidently Madonna does. Ah. <laughs> so if you hear it on the tour, you know, it's because of basically Keith is sort of paraphrasing there. So I hope to see the song on tour. That would be really amazing. Um, but yeah, it was a great interview. Go go watch it. Awesome. And, uh, you know, Some real bucket list stuff right there, Keith. Yeah, it was totally great. Um, well, time to move on. I mean, I guess. I'd, I'd rather you never moved on, but well, go ahead. Did, did you have questions? You were there, Katie. You were behind the no, curtain. I was literally eavesdropping on the entire interview. She was interview. literally behind a curtain that was, like, enclosing us. But there were some elements of it I couldn't, like, figure out exactly. Like, I wasn't sure. I didn't know if Keith was on camera in the interview. He was not. No. But Madonna did give him an eye patch, as you'll see in the video, um, a Madame X eye patch. And, and, and so I was like, wait, is he on camera? And what? Madonna's bringing Keith gifts. And I was just kind of freaking out back there. So, yeah. She, on your behalf. She did bring a patch. I mean, initially I was supposed to be on camera, but the way we had it sort of set up, it just, it just it wasn't going to work sense. out. Yeah. Right. So I was off camera, but we still had a great conversation. Oh but, my God. Yeah. It was a super fun, casual, like light conversation, which is not always the case with a superstar of that, you know, gravitas. So the fact that you had banter, with Madonna, for God's sakes. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, go Madonna. <laughs> okay. Now, it's time for our interview with Ashley Tisdale. 
The singer and actress dropped by the office recently to chat about her brand new album, Symptoms, which is her first in, believe it or not, nearly a decade. She tells us about how getting back into the studio and making the album was totally organic and how she really wanted to speak her truth on the personal and authentic set and how many of the tracks actually sprung from her struggles with anxiety and depression. Though you shouldn't necessarily expect an album's worth of sad, slow songs. Uh, It was important for Tisdale to make an album where she took, as she says, the power away from the word anxiety and depression and have fun with it. You know, celebrate it, she says in the interview you're about to hear. Uh, She says, this is what we have and it's okay and we're going to get through it. And that, quote, the music related to that had to be more upbeat. End quote. So, you know, just because, you know, she's talking about some sort of serious topics, she kind of channeled them in a way where, you know, she was able to sort of channel these emotions and thoughts and feelings into upbeat tracks. And I love the idea of that. It makes all the sense in the world to try to create something that's going to help somebody lift out of these things yeah. as opposed to drag them farther into it with a sad song. So I love that. And, and you'll be surprised as you listen to the interview, like sometimes the inspiration for some of the songs comes from, you know, interesting places where... You're like, well, why would you? Why would a song called Vibrations, like, how did that come from mm. sort of anxiety and depression? And you'll be surprised to find out how. Um, so that's also one of our favorite songs. It I is think. our collective pop yeah. shop favorite it's, on I, the album. You guys will probably like it too. Go, go check it out. Anyway, here's our interview with Ashley Tisdale. Hello to Ashley Tisdale, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Hi, thanks. Um, thank you so much for coming in. I know you're in the middle of a lot of stuff right now, all in preparation for the release of your album, Symptoms. Yes. Um, we're actually recording this interview a little bit before the album actually came out, and you're hearing this in the future, possibly, so there's a lot of timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's your first album in 10 years. I know. Uh, you're like, I know. <laughs> um, crazy. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. But first, w- why did now seem like the right time for like a big return to music? Uh, you know, it's so funny. I get that question like all the time right now. Well, I'm sorry. It's not that original. <laughs> Jeez. No, no. It's just, um, it's funny because it almost seems like I was like, this is the time to do it. But it really was so different than that like it's a very organic thing that happened I honestly like when I went into the studio I really wasn't even thinking about doing a record like I was like well let me see like if you know I'm happy with the sound and like what we come up with and if I'm inspired I think for the longest time I just haven't really been inspired in music you know for me specifically like what I would want to come out with and I just felt like if I were to you know, do another record, it would have to be something that was important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I think for years, I just wasn't like, didn't really, I wasn't really creatively inspired. And so when I got into the studio, um, my co-writer, Rachel West was there and we met for the first time and I was telling her really about like, I sat on the couch and I was in my (laughs) workout clothes and she's like, what have you been up to? And I was like, oh girl, I was like, I have had the craziest like journey. I was like, I had this thing happen and then it like turned into crazy anxiety and like I had a little bit of depression and I was like going through everything that and they I... they were like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm Yeah, she was just like, down. whoa. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we actually ended up writing Symptoms, the song, that first day. And uh, the song is really about commitment issues in a relationship and how... You know, for me, uh, when I first met my husband, I had just been through so much with boyfriends and I was just like, 
really hard. It was like I had commitment issues and it was really scary because he was so nice to me and like so great. And like it was so natural that I was like so scared. And, of like it. there's got to be something wrong. There's got to be something wrong. And so um, that's really what that song was about. And from that moment on, I was like, oh, my God, I was like, wait, like, I think I know what this could be. And I never really communicated any of the, you know, things that I personally have been through with um, anxiety. And so it was really, I think, you know, for the first time, this is, I think my fans who know me are getting to really know me for Mm -hmm. who I am and what I've been through. And then people who don't know me, like, will kind of know where I'm coming from. But I just felt like, you know, it was important for me to speak my truth, I guess. What was the sort of thing that set the whole project in motion was it like just you meeting and just sort of talking out your feelings or was it when you went did you have sort of all the songs together before you kind of went into the studio or like were you always thinking or you just like let's just see what happens that's really that's I was just like let's just see what happens which was really cool I'm with a small label so this is obviously going to be a different you know I I used to be with a major label so um there's big differences and more pressure or less pressure less pressure um I creatively had the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do and there wasn't anything that was like you know uh, working with this producer because he Cause, brings this. Because they're the super hotness this. right Yeah, now. and this is the hot person. It was, honestly, this project is a very, um, it's like, it's a piece of me. And so, um, yeah, that was very different to experience. And I think when you, it's not every day that artists get to do that. And I think that that's why I had so much fun doing this was that I was actually doing like a self-help book at the same time. And so you really see this journey. There was times where I'd like come into the studio and I was like, oh my God, I feel so much pressure in my face because I had been really stressed and had a lot of anxiety. And then that would like honestly inspire the song Under Pressure. (laughs) And so I was like, we should write a song about being under pressure. (laughs) And like just like all of these things, just I I had like endless amounts of inspiration. And um, and yeah, I mean, you really see the journey and you see where the last song is called Feeling So Good. And that was me coming out of depression. And um, I came into the studio one day and I was like, I mean, I just feel really good. I don't know what to write. And so just like we were talking about, OK, well, you know, like what is that when you feel so good? When like things like open up and the world open up, like opens up for you and you kind of get through that rough patch. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just like creatively one of the most like authentic things and I think, to be honest, out of anything in my career, it is the most authentic thing I've ever done. You make it sound so easy. You're like, I just feel good. Let's do a song about feeling good. I'm like, I can't do that. This is why, like, you're a professional, like, musician, and I'm not. Well, there's a lot of people that were so amazing. You have a little um, bit of help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> around me. So it's just like... But still, you co-wrote every song on the yeah, album, which is yeah. something you haven't done before. No, I mean, yeah. I, I co-wrote, like... I would say suddenly off my first album and maybe there was like two songs in my first album, my second album a little bit. I think there's one song that I did with Cara Diaguardi, but not to the extent, yeah, not a co-write the whole album. But, you know, and you just like, I don't know, I just like tapped into everything I was feeling. And even there was moments that, you know, kind of going through what I was going through that I would have like a kind of a bad day or like a, a situation where I was like, just feeling shut down and I would like write in my head lyrics and I would just write it down in my like you know notes on my your phone. phone I was gonna say your phone and those first couple lyrics are actually the first lyrics of love me and let me go and wow. that's what started that song so you know I think it's just like I don't know I've just been writing a lot more and like like I said I I think it's interesting when you finally like when I was younger I didn't I was wasn't really self-aware 
which was great because I played characters that weren't self-aware. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think as I became self-aware, I, I, you know, I, I do have a lot of depth to me as a person. And so I think that, you know, that is where I've become a better actor and a better artist because I've really like dove in and learned a lot about myself. Um, you know, the whole album, like the sort of the sonics of the album has a very upbeat vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're talking about something like serious, like anxiety yeah. or lost love or like a relationship or the voices in your head or just all that, all that stuff. Was it intentional to kind of keep the music kind of like positive and kind of dreamy while the lyrics may have been a little bit more serious? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think that for me you know, one of the arguments with my producer was that he was like, there needs to be a slow song. I'm like, no, there doesn't. There doesn't have to what be a slow song. That? There's no rules. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> you know, that was the stuff I used to do back in the day where it'd be like, it has to have a ballad, you know? Like, and I was like, I don't think it needs to have a ballad. And to be honest, like I just, you know, a lot of artists do speak of these, you know, things that I'm speaking about. So it's not like it's like crazy unique, but what's unique, I think to, to symptoms and to me is that I really wanted to, you know, yes, this this is like the overall subject, and every single song is a literally a symptom that I had, you know, experienced. Mm. Um, True Romance is actually it's my like obviously uh, it's based off of Quentin Tarantino's movie, which is my husband's favorite movie, so that is different. But it's the only yeah. song on there that is not a symptom. Um, <laughs> but I uh, I definitely you know for me I was like I want it these are the symptoms, but like, let's kind of flip it. Let's Mm -hmm. like not make it about those symptoms. Like let's make it relatable and, um, and upbeat and not dwell in those feelings because I feel like, I feel like the biggest thing for me was just taking the power away from like the word anxiety and depression and Mm -hmm. like just kind of like having fun with it and being like, yeah, okay. So I suffer from this sometimes and other people suffer from this, but you know what? Let's, Let's just like celebrate it and be like, this is what we have and it's okay. And we're going to get through it. And like, I think for me, that's just the music related to that had to be more upbeat. Have you been hearing like feedback from fans, you know, as they've been hearing like the songs that you've put out in the lead up to the album? Like, what has the feedback been like? The feedback has been so overwhelming. Yeah, no, it's (laughs) really, it really has. Wasn't trying to put words in your mouth. (laughs) No, it's like, well, you know, whenever you do any project, you really don't know if it's going to like... I don't know what you're you're like don't know what people are going to think about it and so you know just everything even when from voices in my head came out like there was just such like a huge just so many people like like loving it and and telling me their story and telling me that they suffer from that stuff sometimes and like just really um I don't know just like a strong connection between me and my fans and like people probably who haven't even heard my music was like oh my gosh like I didn't even know you did music you know so it's just like and then they you know went on Spotify and like saw that I've done stuff in the past and so it's been really awesome I mean there's times I think there's a class in Brazil that like wrote the like I printed out the lyrics of voices in my head and was like doing like a whole like session on self-love and stuff and I was like I mean I saw that and I like cried so yeah I mean wow. it's definitely an emotional thing for me I, I would say that I haven't ever been this emotionally like I don't know just like impacted like I feel mm. even just rehearsing with the band that I rehearsed with a couple of days ago I heard voices in my head for the first time with a band and I cried <laughs> you know because you're like your song coming to life and like you know it's just like even seeing people sing my lyrics to me like on Instagram and stuff and just seeing them sing lyrics that I wrote is like so powerful and just like awesome so wow does it feel like you're like worlds away from 
the last music back in like 2009 i mean like does it feel like the warner brothers your your first music is like just another person almost yeah like because it's just been such a huge span of time and you've done so many other things since then not to say you're a different person but it does it feel like you're like woo who's that lady back there (laughs) no for sure I mean I felt like obviously when I was at Warner Brothers I was really young and I was really you know it's just like a lot going on in my life how young were you back then I was like I, I, I don't know exactly how old like you were in that 20 when I got signed maybe really wow I feel like no maybe it was like 21 it was definitely like 21 22 um and then yeah I mean I just feel like I remember obviously I always wanted to do music you know I grew up doing like Les Miserables when I was younger like on the oh, international <laughs> national tour I've always <laughs> had a, a music tour. background um <laughs> but uh but yeah, I think that like when I was signed, I just kind of was like, didn't really know who I was as an artist. Mm. So I was just trying to be like, oh, well, I looked up to Britney Spears. So I was like, that is like, you know, who is inspiring me. That's the bomb. <laughs> I was like, that's the who bomb. you want to be. Um, so it was just, you know, I, I kind of had this thing where I was just trying to find myself as an artist. And maybe I wasn't as like confident and maybe a little bit sometimes insecure about it. But um, but yeah, I think doing this project, I really am. Yeah, I found who I am and I found who I am as an artist and where, you know, I'm not really trying to fit in with everybody else, but I'm just like, this is who I am. And I'm, you know, really, it feels like two different people, but only just because I feel like I was just so young and right. I was like innocent trying to find myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, 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 I, and I didn't mean it's always dangerous to sort of say like that era back then. I'm like, no, no, we're not. No one is dismissing the music in any capacity. Yeah. It's more just like, wow, that was like so long ago and I think when we think of artists and music you know if I think of my favorite artists Madonna um you know I think I think of all the music as a very like present in the now and you know whereas Madonna herself might be like that was 1983 yeah I was a very different person then and and like they like the artists you as the artist will have very different memories of what it was like doing that music whereas the fans see it through a different through different optics yeah. somehow. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that music represented who I was then. Yeah, You know, definitely. like, it was all about, like, boys and boys relationships. Boys, that one ballad on the album. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. have the one ballad. <laughs> um, okay, so back to the new album. There's, I think, uh, one of my favorite songs, or probably my favorite song, is, is probably, like, a song that is very something I can identify with vibrations oh my gosh that's so funny everybody keeps saying that <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's I mean I think anyone can relate to it mm-hmm. but it's a very specific setup where you're talking about opening up a bottle of wine warming up some leftover tie <laughs> in the microwave posing up on the couch getting drunk with your significant other yeah. and just it's just a very different than like let's go out and party put your hands in the air <laughs> yeah. it's just so different um what made you think that oh I should write this like was that inspired by like we're warming up Ty this would be a great song no you know actually vibrations was one of the first symptoms I that like kind of kicked everything into like this anxiety ridden like fear Mm. I had um I had like this vibrating feeling that obviously anxiety can cause like inner like anxiousness and at night when I would go to sleep I felt like my neck was like vibrating and it wasn't it was just like this feeling of like anxiety wow and so um so yeah so I was like so vibrations is like literally kind of like the first symptom and I was like came in I said you know what I feel like I just have to write a song about vibrations (laughs) and um and then I was like yeah and I really wanted to write something that was like really about like vibing out Mm. and um and it was funny because me and Rachel West who co-wrote that song 
she's 25 and single and I'm you know 33 and married and I was like I really want to write a song about like where me and my husband's life is like right now and like Mm. how we do things but the best part is is that even my other younger friends who are single they're that's what they do like she's like I'm single and I'm 25 and this is what I do so it's like it is one of the most relatable songs because like right now it's very big to like Netflix and chill like it's not like when we used to like back in the day be like yo let's go party you know like I feel like this is a super relatable song no matter if you're married or if you're single if you're young or if you're older and so um it was one of those things that we were just like you know and we would just be like I was like what do we do and I'm like oh I love Thai food (laughs) so Thai was in it and wine and like so yeah it just kind of is one of those songs that it's a really cool song and everybody keeps saying how much they love it so it's such a great play it's like a, it's a great twist on the concept because you're having vibrate like something that probably did it did it hurt when you felt when it you didn't hurt didn't i just hurt. was like i think i'm well i know i'm a hypochondriac so the minute that something was like that i was like something's wrong with me why isn't there a song called hypochondriac <laughs> i know there should Ashley. we should missed there's like missed opportunities completely so many um, it's volume two i know so uh yeah i mean it was just like one of those things that it didn't like hurt it just scared me and then I think that like I said I wanted to like just take the power away from stuff that scared me and like even just kind of going through this record and like and going through that self-help book like I'm not scared of those feelings anymore I'm not like you know I'm I think that you know one of the first things that we did when we did the photo shoot for the single voices in my head um obviously everybody has like a good side and a bad side and the photographer was like okay cool like look this way and I was like oh man that's my bad side and I was like sitting there and as I was like saying that to myself I was like you know what like I'm about to like kind of show the world like not a great side of me you know this album is not really about a great side of me it's about stuff that I you know suffer from and deal with and then when I looked at the picture which ultimately became this single cover for voices in my head I was like oh my god it's like really beautiful I love this like I think this is a beautiful side of me and that's kind of where I've landed where it's like yeah I might have these issues but I think that that's what makes me beautiful because it's not being perfect is what makes you beautiful it's it's all of these things about you and about yourself so Which you should just have your own podcast and just like, <laughs> like dole out like like advice to people. You're hilarious. You're like, I'm like, I don't know if I have a bad side or a good side. I think all my sides are kind of mediocre. <laughs> but Ashley is suggesting that maybe I should just put myself out there and I can do it too. If she says I can do it, I can. You can. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I could keep you here forever, but I have, still have more questions. So yeah. um, though you probably have to leave, you're going to be trapped here for a little bit longer. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It looks like, and I think I've done my research, I don't think you've done a headlining tour of your own. Mm-mm, no. Okay. Um, I mean, you toured with High School Musical, but that doesn't really count as your own proper tour. Um, and you've done some radio shows. Are you planning on doing any sort of solo shows, even even just like small, intimate things that's for around the, the record launch? What can we say about seeing you live? I, like, I can't around the record launch because I actually am jumping into the Netflix series that I'm doing for the next couple months. So I'm hoping that... Busy, busy lady. I know, I know. I'm hoping that after that, I'm able to do some shows. I mean, okay. my dreams have always been to like definitely go on tour and, and, and support my records. I think it's just like finding obviously the right partner and like doing that and um i think that that's definitely something i want to do for sure um by the time people hear this you'll have performed uh on tv on james corden yeah um when was the last time you sang on tv like a live like don't make me nervous (laughs) 
I don't know. I mean, by the time they hear this, it'll all have been happened. Yes. But um, I mean, has a it long time. A long time. Like I would say, ten years. Ten years. Does it feel like you're stepping into like like a different sort of like costume of Ashley, or is it just? I mean, because it's like you know, you you've had this incredible career in the past ten years that has sort of been kind of away from music even though you've done music like you've done covers and stuff and you have you have had music activities but you've done so many other things in the interim does it feel like okay I'm gonna go over here and sort of do this and be this Ashley for a little bit does it feel like you're getting back into the groove or does it all feel like no it's very natural it's all me um it's very natural I think I think it's more just like it's just it's just me I think that you know what I love about music right now and especially because I've been recording even stuff after, you know, symptoms. So for so the for second album is on the way. Future. <laughs> um, so what's so great about it is that I'm, you know, for me, I'm like the fact that I'm inspired and the fact that I get to tell my story. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about music is that it's it's purely me. It's not me trying to be something else. It's literally just me. And, you know, because acting, I'm obviously playing a character and producing something. I'm producing someone else's vision. But like this is this is who I am. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of where I've found myself with music. Um, but yeah, I mean, I actually have been playing acoustic shows. So mm. um, I got a little bit of like the nervousness out of it, which is actually interesting because I never did acoustic stuff like performances back in the day. Like I only did like the minute that I was assigned to Warner, you know, I was like in concert <laughs> and for 15,000 people a sure. night. And you're just like thrown into this world and you're like oh my god you have dancers and you're doing choreography and it's like this whole craziness that I actually never had those like intimate shows Mm. and so I've been doing that um with my with Scott who who is um the engineer on this project and and also a producer and so he's been my guitarist and it's like so scary because you're like this is acoustic and it's so intimate it's scary but it really has helped me because it's like I don't know I just now I'm not uh, as nervous for, you know, a bigger production, I guess, of right. music. Cause, um, so I'd love to do something like both Let's if I were to go on tour. Shows. Acoustic shows. Acoustic like, shows. How hard could it be to pull those together? Simple. I mean, I think it's Done. it's so simple Let's and it's so easy. The music Hotel definitely Cafe. does sound a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, trying to be your booking agent right now. I'm like, can you do rearrangements of your old songs? <laughs> yes, like, acoustically. Acu- all, all the dance pop hits from, yes. from like 2006, 8, 7, 9. It was really funny because someone asked us to do Love Me and Let Me Go. Which is like, I mean, I don't know if you've heard that one, but that is like very much about the music element to it. It's a very electro. <laughs> so we are like, how are we going to do this? Beatbox it somehow? <laughs> yes. Sure. But you know what? It's it, I think a song that, um, I think great music can be played either way. Yes. And so sometimes when you slow down a song, you're like, wow, it's like, this is really beautiful. I remember I did... Um, uh, I had a thing on my YouTube called Music Sessions, and my husband would uh, would tra- like he would do cover songs with me. And- I was watching uh, X's and O's the other day. Oh, cool! Yeah. Um, and so one of the songs he did was um, "Stay," you know, by Alice- Alicia Cara? Alicia, Cara? Alicia Cara and Zed. And I had never heard that slow down, and I got emotional singing it because I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like. It's such a beautiful song when you slow it down. It's a great song no matter what. But mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, when you slow it down, like it really is a, such a powerful, like, I don't know. It's just like so emotional. And I was like, so I think that that, yeah, you find it. I think great songs can be played both ways. Um, so you said you have, you're shooting your Netflix uh, show. 
Um, so we may not see you on the road soon. Is there anything, any other, any other music plans that we can tease for the future that you're allowed to talk about, or is everything top secret right now? I mean, nothing's top secret. I think that I'm just continuing to record and write music and staying inspired and know that this is not just going to be this record. So I think that, you know, that's important. So we're getting three albums this year. (laughs) You know, like nowadays, you can do whatever, I think. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it's it it is weird. Like and this I mean, I had a million more questions that I didn't get to ask, but that's fine. But one of them was kind of kind of jumping off from what you just said about how things have like things are so different now yeah like compared to when you started um sort of you know with high school in terms of what sort of the mass audience has got to know you from high school musical and your albums with warner though you had obviously done stuff professionally before that um things have changed so much like yeah. there wasn't instagram like you know, know youtube was around but it's not the way it was now like i, I mean i don't know do you have a tiktok account ashley like no i don't have a tiktok account it with it I know, I really do. I I, I I think it's like a kid thing, but <laughs> I, I don't, I'm sorry if you have a TikTok account, people. Um, but it's like things have changed so much. Yeah. But I think it's brilliant, like what you've done in the interim, like you have really stayed connected with people, like with your original fans and expanded your fan base and really kind of like had this very well-rounded kind of thing going on where people have really gotten to know you in so many yeah. different ways. And now you're kind of channeling all that through music in just yeah. a different capacity. So No, for sure. You're doing great, Ashley. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for coming in. Oh, my God. Thank you. And uh, good luck with everything in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Ashley for your time. I'm sorry I couldn't sit down with you guys, too. I was, like, really sad about this one. But uh, <laughs> Keith obviously did a great job. Well, I also had help. Uh, some of those questions came from Katie, too. <laughs> yes, so like, she was there in spirit. I was like, "Can Keith, do you feel comfortable using the word adulting in a, in a question? I'm not sure if you ended up using it. I don't know it. if I did either. Well, I guess, I guess, I guess we'll know now. Vibrations is kind of about adulting. It's a song about adulting. I, I, I think it's probably my favorite track on, on the album. Agreed. Um, all right. Now, it's time for our chart stat of the week. <laughs> One years ago, almost this week, Yvonne Elements, If I Can't Have You, not to be confused with the same name Sean Mendez song, ah. hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. The single, which was written by the Bee Gees for the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, jumped two to one on the Hot 100 dated May 13th, 1978. It's like Sean timed it with this anniversary or something. I, it's like he <laughs> planned this. I'm sure Sean is a huge Saturday Night Fever soundtrack fan. Like, he was not even an idea of a person at that point. Were, her, were his parents even alive yeah, at that I point? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. jeez. Oh, <laughs> well, If I Can't Have You was the fourth number one Hot 100 hit from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, following three chart toppers by the Bee Gees. Night Fever, Staying Alive, and How Deep Is Your Love? Notably... Element had previously been heard on a number one hit before If I Can't Have You. She was a backing vocalist on Eric Clapton's cover of Bob Marley's I Shot the Sheriff, which hit number one in 1974. That is fun trivia. Yeah. That's really good trivia. Fun trivia. So there you have it. Almost 41 years ago this week, Yvonne Element's If I Can't Have You hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. If I can't have you, I'm 
I've got a great idea for a playlist for Billboard's Spotify account. It's a playlist of all songs that have the same title as the Saturday Night Fever songs. Like, actually, you could do both songs because How Deep Is Your Love makes me think of Drew Calvin Hill. Harris. Oh, Drew Hill also had How Deep oh, okay. Is Your Love. Calvin Harris had and one Calvin like Harris. two or three years ago. Um, but I'm wondering if you could come up with some other ones. I mean, like, why Clef's why Staying Alive doesn't count because it's actually like an interpolation yeah. of Staying Alive. I don't know if there's another Night Fever. That's really gotta iconic. Be a night Fever. It's staying gotta Alive. Be. There's just gotta be. It's funny, like I when when Calvin's "How Deep Is Your Love" came out, I, I immediately thought of Drew Hill, Drew Hill's version. Mm. How deep is your love for me? Tell me what it's gonna be. <laughs> I think that's how it goes. I totally is terribly wrong. Um, okay, so what song should we? Let's think of that playlist. Okay, everyone at home, think of your favorite non-Bee Gees version of "Night Fever," which is not a cover of "Night Fever." Yeah, sure, that'll be easy. And please tweet us. Yeah, tweet us. Because <laughs> we're going to need help with this one. <laughs> hashtag Night Fever, same title, not a cover. No, that's, that's a great hashtag. Soups. Takes up half your Twitter word count. Perfect. Um, uh, what song should we go down? How Deep Is Your Love by Calvin Harris. Featuring Rihanna? No. No? No. It's not featuring Rihanna? No, it's not. It's not? No. What was the one with uh You're Rihanna? thinking of um, oh, We the one Found that, Love? Or... or the one that Taylor Swift wrote. Oh, um, this is what you came for? Oh, shoot. <laughs> it's actually featuring Disciples. That's oh, the female voice in I'm How Deep Is Your Love. so sorry, Disciples. So sorry. I would love to hear Calvin Harris featuring Disciples, How Deep Is Your Love, to go out. Okay, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. How deep is your love?